Thank you for listening to the Competition Committee podcast, where we make sports more fun for the fans. Check out new podcasts every Thursday. Welcome inside the Competition Committee podcast. I am your host, Parker. Joining me, as always, is JJ. And in today's episode, we will be recapping the NFL Divisional Round playoffs in our quick hitter segment. We'll play a game of high leverage, dead or alive. Propose a rule change for the half the distance to the goal penalty. And finish off with our bold predictions. Before we jump right in, let's go ahead and bring in our third committee chair, David. And David, I have a quiz question for you. Nick Dunlap was the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour in 33 years when this famous amateur did it in 1991 at the Northern Telecom Open. Who was it? Mr. Phil Mickelson. Nailed it. Yes, he did. Better known as Hefty Lefty, Big Jams. I mean, we can go on, but Mr. Phil. Well, we, before we jump into the... NFL Divisional Round Playoff Recap. Let's quickly talk about Nick Dunlap, the Alabama product, winning this American Express Open. I want to throw it to you, David. You know How impressive is this for the casual fan, and where was this tournament played? Kind of give us a quick recap of it. This tournament used to be the Bob Hope Pro-Am. It's now the American Express invitational or open or something like that. It's played in Palm Springs. They played the last round at PGA West. It's normally it's, it's, it's a pro-am. So they have to set it up to where it's very easy for the amateurs. And there's generally a lot of low scores. John Rahm famously said a couple years ago that this is an effing putting contest what Nick Dunlap did was spectacular. I was on the edge of my seat. I watched the, la- the pretty much the entire final round. I haven't been that excited for someone to win a tournament since the 2019 Masters. When Tiger did it, I was beside myself. It was fantastic. Yeah, I wasn't able to watch any of it, just some of the highlights, but... You know, to have PGA Tour professionals like Justin Thomas, who shot, what, a 26 or 27 under for the entire tournament, you know, he was he was thinking in the final round, you know, shoot something low and then walk away with the, with the win on Sunday. But he did not expect this kid from Alabama to come in and just almost dominate. I mean, to shoot, what, a 30 under through – for the tournament is just absolutely insane. So hats off to him. Well, as not a golf expert, let me ask a couple of questions. I understand he is not accepting the prize money. He can't. Does that make sense? He can't. He cannot. How does his caddy get paid? He doesn't. His caddy's his buddy from Alabama golf team. Wow. I wonder if he could have declared himself pro on the last half of the uh, uh, last last nine holes and won himself some money. Well, 
he he can't. You have to do that beforehand. And there's a lot of rules with golf and being amateur and pro. And <clears throat> with NIL, it kind of gets a little more complicated. He he had he won the U.S. Amateur last year. He's the reigning U.S. Amateur champion. He is the first amateur to win both the U.S. Junior Am and U.S. Amateur since Tiger Woods. He's the first pro or reigning U.S. Amateur champion to win a PGA Tour event. With how NIL goes, he gets it exempt. If he decides to go pro, he gets exempt into a lot of tournaments, including the Masters and the Players and the PGA, but he has to give up the U.S. Open and the British Open, the Open, if we're being proper. It's a big decision. I hear a lot of talk that golf is trying to go younger. Is have some having somebody like this win going to help them bring younger fans in? I don't know. Maybe. I think what brings in the younger crowd are tournaments. That's what's about to happen in the Phoenix Open. You know, these kind of stadium-like holes where the crowd is super obnoxious and they throw beer cans on the on the golf course. I think things like that bring in more youthful fans. But I think only the older folk are really excited about an amateur winning a tournament in 33 years. I think only those type of people are really interested in stuff like that. So maybe not really. That's just my opinion. I think you just called me old there, but I'll take it. (laughs) I honestly think, well, with everything going on with golf, you, you really have no idea who's watching what's going to happen. I do think that having young people, and if obviously going up against NFL this week was very difficult, but it did. I mean, they it did like on Sports Center and ESPN. They 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 brought it up. So I mean, the people who are watching that are going to think, "Oh man, a twenty year old won this, and he's not even a pro." So yeah. probably going to look into it, maybe follow him a little bit. I think it you know it'll probably bring some eyeballs that weren't necessarily going to be there. Speaking of the NFL, let's dive into the divisional round matchups in the NFL playoffs. First up, we have the Texans versus the Ravens. This was a fairly close game in the first half, being 10-10 going into the half. Kind of a false hope because the Ravens pulled away at the end, scoring 24 unanswered points. Ravens winning 34-10. What are y'all's overall thoughts on the game? Well, I think we saw a little bit of rust in the Ravens. Their quarterback hadn't hadn't played in 20 days. So it took a little while for him to come back and be good. But once he was good, the, the Texans never had a chance. Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback. Yeah, it was bound to happen. Um, go, go ahead, David. I'll be honest, I was at a – a restaurant with my family. I watched a little bit of that game. I didn't have that much rooting interest, but did seem in the second half, Ravens just did what they needed to do. And John Harbaugh might make it very spectacular for the Harbaugh family this year. Indeed. And speaking of Harbaugh, 
there, he has some, I'm not sure if it's his defensive coordinator or somebody on the defensive staff who co- coached against CJ Stroud when he was at Ohio State. Some people were saying that that might have had an effect on the way they schemed against CJ Stroud, but it was bound to happen at some point. There's no way rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, they're going to get caught at some point. And, you know, I know CJ Stroud is sort of a unicorn defying all odds as far as being a rookie quarterback and having this much success, but it was bound to happen. I think the Texans had a great season, definitely a lot to be proud of and a lot to look forward to in the next year, but the Ravens were definitely the superior team and they deserve to move on and they definitely have a tough task against the Chiefs who defeated the Bills 27-24. This was a great game. A few mishaps here, a few mishaps there. The Bills kicker missing a final two-minute drive field goal to potentially tie the game. We had Taylor Swift in the crowd again. We had a DeMar Hamlin fake punt. I did not have that on my bingo card, but any other thoughts on the game? Well, that that was a terrible-looking fake punt. It never had a chance of working. It was a bad place to do it, but it it was just not a good-looking play. The Chiefs, the Chiefs read it right away. But I think one thing we can learn from this game and really the other three games is – these real, real close games come down to a little bit of luck. It's do you miss a field goal? Does the football go through a receiver's hands that normally catches it? Or what about what about that running back for the Chiefs who's about to score a touchdown and he fumbles the ball into the end zone? Now, of course, the Chiefs still won, but that came down to less than an inch. There was less than an inch of his leg from touching the ground before he fumbled the ball. So these are tiny differences. And we walk away saying the Chiefs are great and the Bills are bad. They're not. They both played real, real well, and either team could have won that game. I don't think this Chiefs team is as good as the previous Chiefs team. I had the Bills winning this game. I don't know. I mean – their offense is not as prolific as it once was. The only difference this year is that their defense is really, really good. You know, Chiefs against the Ravens. Well, good. Well, the Chiefs, the Chiefs receivers finally showed up and played pretty well. That's been Patrick Mahomes' problem is he hadn't anybody had anybody to throw to, and his receivers played well, so that helped tremendously. We'll see what's going to happen. And clearly, the Ravens are the best team left in the NFL. But I really dislike them and do not want them to win the Super Bowl. Well, up next, we have the Packers and the 49ers. I'll be honest, this one, I feel like the Packers should have won. It's one of those rest versus rust kind of you know, back and forth of would you rather have a lot of rest and risk the rust that potentially could impact your team. And I do feel like, along with the weather, that rust definitely had a factor in the 49ers when they were losing the majority of the second half until things kind of finally turned around for them. But those. And it took, it took, it took two missed field goals right. for the 49ers to win. And these were very makeable field goals typically would be made. Again, we're looking at two very, very closely matched teams and it comes down to luck. 
Yeah, these jo- these Packers these Packers fans. I'm just so jealous of them. They go from Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and now Jordan Love, who is seems to be coming into his own and is going to be just fine. I mean, what in the world? I mean, how? Just a testament to the front office, I guess, but. That's just terrible. How how lucky they can be. That's exactly right. They know who to draft and they know they sit them behind a great quarterback and they turn out to be great. I mean, they've done it twice in a row now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fantastic as a Bears fan. I love it. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Now, now to, to be honest, I mean, to be fair, and he'll learn from this and he probably most likely won't do it again, but that throw across the field and they're trying to tie the game. I mean, he even said in the post round, you know, that's a immortal sin, you know, as a football player. It is, but when you're forcing somebody to drive the field with, what was it, less than 90 seconds to go, mm-hmm. they're going to make mistakes because they have to take chances. They have to throw. They have to throw passes they otherwise wouldn't throw to keep the drive alive. So it just happened, right? And that's what I'm, and that's what I'm saying is he's going to learn from that, and he's just going to be a beast. He, and, he is going to be good, and that comes down to the next game we're going to talk about: Baker Mayfield. So he throws an interception at the end, but he's being forced to drive the length of the field again in less than two minutes. And when that happens, people throw interceptions. Yeah that that Bucks game. As a Bucks fan, I really didn't think that we were going to win this game. But the Bucks just kind of reeled me in there at the end of the second half. They scored that last touchdown, only down one score. We get the ball back. Here we go. For some reason, the Bucks wanted to go for two, which I don't know if somebody has the math on that, whether that was the most statistical appropriate play to do. It's just strange because Todd Bowles is a defensive head coach. That's not really his forte. Regardless, Baker throws that interception and, you know, bless his heart. But, you know, it was a great season by the Bucs. I was telling David before the show, you know, if you had told me before the season the Bucs were going to win their division, go to the playoffs, win a playoff game, I would take that 100%. So, Great season for the Bucs. The well, Lions are obviously a better team, and they have bigger aspirations. Well, it looks like it looks like a bad decision in hindsight. But again, the Bucs are playing above their head, and the opportunity to win the game in regulation is really what they needed to do. I, I think it was a smart decision. It didn't work out for them. We never even got a chance to see if it was going to work out because they would have had another chance to get a two-point conversion. But – that game was a whole lot closer than I thought it was going to be, and it was pretty darn exciting. And think of how much fun we'd have if we could have gotten a Bills-Detroit Lions Super Bowl. That would have been amazing. I will say, I'm of the four teams left, go Lions. And I know that's blasphemy coming from an NFC North fan. Might be the SEC fan in me, but... I agree. The line, I mean, it's a, it's the story. I mean, it's it is. The the, if they won, it is the story. I mean, I don't. I'm so sick of the Ravens. I don't want to see them win. The 49ers are too good. I don't want to see them win. The Chiefs, maybe the Chiefs might be fun to see, 
but a whole lot more fun would be to see the Lions win. That city. When was crazy. the last time? Detroit last time they won a playoff game was ninety one, right? It said it was in the fifties. Right. The last time they won an uh, NFL championship. Okay, championship. When do we know the actual? Because I know they won the playoff game last week, but that that was the first time in thirty something years. That's was right. It, was it ninety one? The only reason I'm saying that is because take it back to what we had talked about earlier. Ninety one was the last time uh, amateur won the <laughs> PGA Tour event. So you never know. Well, real, real quick before we go to the break, I do want to give a shout out to a couple people. My wife and I went to a restaurant to watch the second half of the Bucks game. We were at a table and we noticed two Buck fans sitting near the bar and all decked out in Buccaneers gear. Jerseys. One guy had three layers on. He had a jersey, a Buccaneers long sleeve t-shirt on. And then underneath that was another Buccaneers t-shirt on, which he said was his lucky Mike Allstott Buccaneers t-shirt that he had since he was a little kid. It was tiny on him, looked like a crop top, bunch of holes in it. Anyways, his name was Mike and his other friend was Josh. And I asked them, you guys from Tampa? They said, yes. They said, a little bit north of Tampa. And I said, okay, cool. So am I from Tampa, a little bit north of Tampa. And he said, yeah, I, I bet you won't know the little town that I'm from. I said, you probably won't guess the little town that I'm from. I'm from Zephyr Hills. And the guy goes, no kidding. I'm from Zephyr Hills as well. I was like, are you kidding me? So what are the odds that a few Buccaneers fans in a restaurant in Chattanooga would be watching a game all from the same small little tiny town north of Tampa called Zephyr Hills? So shout out to Mike. There's a joke. There's a joke that goes with that where the bartender picks up the phone and says the uh, center twins are drunk again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was the craziest thing ever. What are the odds of that happening? That is awesome. That's awesome. So shout out to those two. If I remember their names, I'd say cheers. All right. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll play high leverage dead or alive. Parker, you going someplace this week? I am, actually. I'm going to Kathmandu, flying on Pan Am Airways. Pan Am, where the sky is no longer the limits. Parker's handed me the mic, and we're going to play a game of high leverage, dead or alive, the way I intended it to be, not the way that Parker plays it with all the uh, very, very odd names. I'll admit Parker's way is probably more fun, but mine's more intellectual. You guys know the rules. Our listeners are real smart. Dave, pick a number one to eight. Seven. Seven. I'm going to read you a name, a famous sports person that I hope you know, and you're going to tell me if he's dead or alive. Bobby Hall. I'm not sure I am necessarily familiar. I will leverage this. Do you want me to tell you who he is? Sure. He's an NHL, a famous NHL player. Okay. Kind of ringing a bell. I'm going to leverage just the one. Say dead. Dead. You are correct. He died January 30, 2023 at the age of 84. Parker, 
Pick one, two, eight, and don't pick seven. Eight. Eight. Bobby Orr, dead or alive? Bobby Orr is dead. I'll leverage that a three. You are incorrect. He's 75 years old and alive. One to six. Dave. Five. Five. Dennis Johnson, NBA basketball player, famously played for the Pistons. I think he also played for the Hornets at one point, didn't he? Anyway, doesn't matter. I'm going to say. He was part of the uh, bad boys, Dennis Pistons, or the Pistons team that had. uh, Back in, like, Isaiah Isaiah Thomas and all that. That's exactly right, yes. I'm going to leverage this a two and say alive. You are incorrect. Mm. He died February 22, 2007 at the age of 52. Very, very young. Oh, this wasn't the guy I was thinking about on the Hornets then. This game may not be near as much fun as Parker's. It somehow (laughs) seems sad right now. (laughs) Maybe the only time we ever play it. Parker, don't pick five, seven, or eight. I will do three. Three. Bob Greasy, Miami Dolphins quarterback, dead or alive? Bob Greasy. He was on the famous unbeaten team, although he didn't play most of that season because he was injured. He's alive. I'll leverage that at two. Two and alive. And you are correct. He's 82 years old and alive. His son is Brian Greasy, who – He was a Bears quarterback. And a Bucs quarterback. Okay, and uh, was a head coach for a while. I think he's – I think I saw him on the sidelines as a quarterback's coach this weekend, which surprised me. Or at least there was somebody named Brian Greasy. I don't know if it was the same one. Okay, so right now the score is Parker 2, David 1. David, don't pick 3, 5, 7, or 8. I'll go 1. 1. Tommy Lasorda, the famous – he was a baseball player and, of course, the famous associated with the the, uh, Dodgers forever. Dead or alive. Leverage, leverage this a three and say he is dead recently. You, you are correct. He died January 7, 2021 at the age of 93. Parker, pick two, four, six, or six. Four, please. Four. I bet you'll get this. No? I don't know if you'll get this one right. Fran Tarkington, NFL quarterback for the Vikings for many years. Dead or alive? Yield Turkington. I don't think he's dead. My, I think my dad grew up watching him a bunch, so I'll say... I'll, so did I. <laughs> I will leverage it a one and say he is dead. <laughs> nope, he's 83 years old and alive. You missed... Okay. Dave, you got two or six. Let's go six. Number six. NBA basketball great Moses Malone, dead or alive? Mm, I got to leverage this a four. I think I'm going to say dead. Dead. You are correct. He died on September 13, 2015 
at the age of 60. Your score right now is eight. Parker, your score is two. You could make this closer, but you can't win. (laughs) Okay, but I think you'll get this one right. Number two, Reggie White. Reggie White. I will leverage this to four and say he is alive. Well, you're not very good at this game. Reggie White died Mm, at age 43, December 26, 2004. He was a great defensive linebacker for the Packers. That's right. Was he a lineman or I was remember. He, a- he was a defensive end, I thought. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember he, he sacked a lot of people. He was called the Minister of Defense and actually became a preacher at some point after that. Mm-hmm. But 43 is pretty young to die. That is, yeah. Okay, final score David eight, Parker two. I think the next time we play it, Parker, we'll play your version of this. Mine seems a little bit too depressing. (laughs) We'll be right back after the break with our bold predictions. Parker, seems like you've been going to a lot of movies lately. Yes, I have. Al and I got Movie Pass for only $9.99 a month. And we go at least three times a week. Movie Pass. Yes, with people seeing 12 movies a month and paying us only $9.99 a month, we may be losing a lot of money, but we'll make it up in volume. Alrighty, welcome back, everybody. It is time to give out our bold predictions. Before we do that, let's recap how last week's bull predictions turned out. And for those who did not listen to last week's episode, all of our participants in the bull predictions, myself, Campbell, and JJ, we decided to pick the underdogs for the divisional wildcard round. I'll start with myself. I had the Texans money line plus 320 against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson does not have a great track record in the playoffs. I thought that would continue. I got that incorrect. Campbell had the Packers money line plus 340, which was the largest underdog odds, and he was the closest to getting that correct. Unfortunately, the 49ers won the game in the fourth quarter. So he is a loser. JJ, what was your bull prediction? I had the Bucks beating the Lions, and again, I was a loser as well. But again, mine was even closer than the score. Look, they were they were driving when he threw an interception, so yeah. I had a chance. We did have a but chance. Of course, we have someone that got one right. Dave, Woo-hoo! I had I picked Mister Justin Thomas at the Amex Pro Am and at to be top five at plus five hundred. And he got a he made a putt at the very end to get tied for third. So I won that one. Very good. Congratulations. Okay. So depending on how we score this, it's zero to zero to two for the third chair, or it's zero to zero to zero to Johnny's one and to Dave's one. Yes. So either way, Parker, you and I are losing. 
Well, I feel like I'm going to change that this week. I've cooked up a delicious little uh, bold prediction here. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to go to the 49ers and Lions NFC Championship game. These are both prolific offenses. Detroit loves to start the game quick, fast. San Francisco, they're going to establish the run and get Christian McCaffrey the ball. Possibly he'll break loose. I think both teams are going to score on their first drive. So Detroit, whenever they get the ball first, they will score, whether that's a touchdown, field goal, don't matter. And San Francisco, when they get the ball first, touchdown, field goal, doesn't matter. This is a plus 425 wager. That is my bull prediction. San Francisco and Detroit to score on their on their first drive. JJ, what is your bull prediction? Well, I don't have any numbers on mine, but I think mine is bold, and you guys can shoot it down if you don't. I think that in the Ravens-Chiefs game, there will be two rushing touchdowns by quarterbacks. Now, I'm going to use either quarterback to get them, but I think we'll have two rushing touchdowns by quarterbacks. And again, I don't have numbers on that, but that doesn't usually happen. So I think it's a bold prediction. Okay. Two rushing touchdowns by either of the two quarterbacks. So not just one, but either of them. That's right. I could get one from each of them and I still win. Okay. Got it. All right. David. Well, I'm going to stick with my golf predictions or bold prediction. They're at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines in San Diego. This week, I am going to pick Mr. Jason Day in the top five at plus 500. I like that. David, I want to know if people are in your household wondering why you're cheering so much when someone makes the top five now. It does seem like an odd thing you're cheering for. <laughs> well, seems seems a little easier to get a top five than a, than a win. Mr. Yeah. Jason Day is at plus 2200 to win. So I figured I'd take it down to plus 500. Now I do have one very interesting stat that I saw and I want to reiterate that we are not a gambling podcast, but if you had put $1 on Chris Kirk to win Kapalua the first week, I think he was like plus 400 took your winnings from that, rolled it over to the second week the Sony Open, where Mr. Grayson Murray won. I think he was plus 400 as well, plus or minus, and then won that and then rolled it over to the amateur Mr. Nick Dunlap this past week. You would have turned that $1 into $28 million. I'll bet you there's a good chance MGM would not have paid out on that last bet. <laughs> oh, they would have. They are obligated to. But to be fair, you would have had to have put eighty grand down on Nick Dunlap at plus three fifty to win that twenty eight million, which no one I in the right mind would have done. Bet. I, I think they would have thought something's fishy and wouldn't have taken the bet. Oh, they would have gladly taken that eighty grand. Oh. 80 grand on an amateur who hadn't won when an amateur hadn't won in 33 years. 
They'll take that money. Anyway, I thought that was fantastic. $28 million on a $1 So bet. let me just recap real quick. I have San Francisco and Detroit both scoring in the first drive. JJ has two rushing touchdowns by either quarterbacks in the Ravens and Chiefs game. David has Jason Day top five in the Farmers Insurance Open. That is going to wrap up this week's show. Be a part of the competition committee by sending us your ideas for making sports more fun for the fans or simply by pointing out a problem that needs to be fixed. Use the links in the show notes to reach us. We need your help to make the competition committee a community. Please text a few of your friends a recommendation and link to our show. It is this easy. Click the three dots in the upper right corner of your phone, select share, messages, type the name of three friends, and ask them to check out the show. That's all it takes. Thanks for joining us this week, and look for our new episodes every Thursday. They gave me a freaking pickanese?